jump into Psalm chapter 5, and uh, we're actually just going to be in verse 11 and 12 tonight. So let me read it, and then we'll pray. It says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you'll surround him and her as with a shield. Let me pray. Father, we uh, just thank you, God, for this night. We thank you, Lord, just for the move of Thursday nights as it just gives so many more people an opportunity to be able to come who maybe aren't able to come on Sunday nights or even Sunday morning for that matter. And so, Father, we just pray that you would, that this would just open up the door, God, for uh, for so many more people to come, to learn, to grow. And uh, God, would you just start tonight by, by blessing our ears with your word and instilling your word in our hearts. Uh, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, uh, Lake Mead is running dry. Anybody, anybody scared about that? <laughs> anybody sad you go to, go to the Lake Mead and... It's like, it's like way lower than it used to be. Um, you know, they, they say that uh, it's, it's California and Arizona's fault, right? Now, I'm not here to, to point fingers. I, I don't know. I don't know how the whole thing operates. I just can see it physically getting lower. And I know I use water, so I'm sure I'm, I'm to blame somewhere in there as well. Um, but they also say that there is a ton of water underneath Nevada. In fact, uh, according to Vegas Valley Water District, we use 25% of our valley's water comes from underground, under Vegas. Now, there's also another legend that's called Wally's River. And they say that Wally's River has enough water to, to meet the needs of 100 million people every day. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know is that it's, it's really symbolic to life in the sense that uh, there are small wells of joy on this earth that are easily consumed and will soon be depleted, right? But there's, there's a river that runs underground. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That never runs dry. It's a, it's a hidden river, and this river is only found in Christ. And this, my friends, is no legend. With that being said, we, we often hear the word rejoice, and we don't just hear it from preachers and pastors um, or people who are really excited about the Lord, as you begin to read your Bible, you'll see this word often, that it's a command for you and I as Christians to rejoice. And so we see that again in, in these verses that we're reading tonight. And so I just want to make a, a couple observations, and my, my hope is to spur our hearts to prayer, uh, that if you don't currently have joy, and, and let me just start off by saying uh, 2021 was probably one of the hardest years ever for my family and I. And 2022 comes around, and I'm like, let's, let's go. Let's go. I'm ready for 2021 to be over. I'm sure God did some great things. I don't know exactly what they were yet, but I'm sure they're good, right? I'm, I'm just believing in hope that it, it all works out for the good. Anybody know what I'm talking about, or everybody else just had a fantastic year? <laughs> but... There is a sense in which 2022 starts and immediately, uh, you know, I get sick 
And I'm just like, this can't, this can't, this, this is not a good sign, right? <laughs> this is not how I plan to start off this year. And I know, you know, for so many of you, it's the same. Uh, but with that being said, it's, it's, we read verses like this and we're reminded that it's not just uh, an optimistic way of looking at life. It's a command from the Lord that, that we ought to rejoice. So let's just dig into the scriptures. I want to show you a couple of things that I see here, and hopefully you'll walk away encouraged tonight. But it says, let all those who rejoice, let all those rejoice, excuse me, who put their trust in you. We see that as uh, David makes this proclamation that uh, what he's saying is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is important to identify because it's not just David praying or commanding fellow Christians, hey, be joyful, uh, Jesus tells us that when, when David speaks, he's speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For the scripture says, uh, Jesus says, for David himself said by the Holy Ghost. So anytime David is speaking in the Psalms as it's written, we can see this as a declaration that comes straight from the throne of heaven. And so we see here that when David says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you, that this is coming directly from the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is telling all of God's people to rejoice. In fact, we also see this in the words of Christ. For he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So we see it coming from the Holy Spirit through the lips of David, that, that we're to rejoice. We hear it coming from Christ. He says, I've told you these things that you might have joy and that your joy might be full. And then we also see it in the epistles. And again, the scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So as Paul pens these very words, now, now Paul in the Holy Spirit says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. In fact, this is the very nature of God. For Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, my first note here is that God's desire, this is the desire of the Holy Spirit, just something to meditate on tonight, that God's, this, whether this is where you're at or not tonight, and all of us are in different places, and, and, we, and we get that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight for those who feel like, man, I'm so far from that. I'm, I'm with you. That's why this message was, was for you, all right? So before you cut me off and say, I don't know nothing about joy right now, don't talk to me about joy. Anybody ever get like that? Yeah, oh yeah. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you, just stick with me because this message was prepared, I believe, by the Holy Spirit for, for you. But the first thing I want us to take notice, notice of is that it's God's desire for the righteous. That's you and I. We're righteous by faith, and it's God's desire for us that we would have joy. The second observation that I want to make is that joy comes from God alone and is something that must be prayed for. Now, I get that because uh, this is a prayer. David's praying. He says, but, but God, essentially, he's saying, God, let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. It's a prayer. He, he's saying, God, uh, increase their joy. 
Uh, God, remove every stumbling block that would keep them from having joy. God, open up their eyes so that they can see your faithfulness, that they might have continual joy. And so David is praying that if God's people are going to have joy, it's going to happen through prayer. Are you with me? Uh, we see that also in Romans 13, 15. It says this, uh, now may the God of hope, this is actually another prayer from the Apostle Paul, and, he, and he's praying for God's people. And he says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Who fills you with joy? God does. Where does joy come from? It comes from God. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So we, we receive joy, God gives it, and we receive it through faith in Christ. That, and here's the purpose, that you might abound in hope. Hope of what? Hope of the resurrection. This hope that we have that we belong to him, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But then it says this, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So joy comes from God. We receive it by faith, but it's given to us. The, the means by which God gives it to us, we receive it by faith, but, but how do I get it? We get it by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to have joy. Now, I love that. I love whenever I read something that renders me useless, right? When I, now, I, I, I understand that, uh, that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, is it not? Which means that the Holy Spirit has to produce it. Which means that there's nothing that I can do to make joy come but believe. And if I believe, then that means I pray. Because faith without deeds is dead. It's one thing for me to say, well, I believe God is the giver of joy. And, and I believe he wants to give me joy. So then what do I do if I believe? Then I should ask. So I love when I read verses like this that render me useless because sometimes I find myself going, God, I'm, I struggle with this. I struggle with joy. And if I listen to the enemy, the enemy would say to me, oh, see, well, you're not a Christian. See, you don't bear the fruit of the Spirit. See, you don't even have the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense where I can actually rest in some of those truths. Now, it's not true, all that the devil says, but every once in a while, he'll slip in a truth, right? You don't have joy. Okay, all right, you're right. You're right. I don't have joy. But I don't stop there. I stop by acknowledging, you know, there's, there's peace in knowing that there's nothing that I can do. I, I can't do anything. Because if there was something that I could do, guess what? I, I would work as hard as I could to go get it. And it would only leave the devil more room to accuse me because once I did all that I could do, he would say, see, you're a failure. But when I realize it doesn't rest in my ability to do, it rests in God's ability to give then all I got to do is pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to give. Are you with me? Let me just make this as clear as possible. If, if you're lacking joy tonight, there's only one thing you got to do. You got to believe that you serve a God of joy who wants to fill you with joy. And then you pray and ask that God would fill you by the power of the Holy Spirit with his joy. And then you wait upon the Lord until he gives it. And while you're waiting, you continue to pray, right? Because faith compels us. Because I believe God's faithful to my prayers, so I pray. I continue to pray because I believe he's going to do it. The third observation I would make here is that uh, the unbeliever's joy 
is distinctly different from the believer, though both of them may come from God. Now, the reason I say that, you have to read the rest of the psalm there, but David starts off with the word but. He says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Now, the reason he says that word but is because if you read right before that, uh, David is praying for those that hate God, those that rebel against God. And essentially, he says, may, may their judgment be pronounced upon them. But let all those who rejoice, let all, excuse me, let, let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. So David differentiates the joy that believers have. But I, but I would say there, through the fullness of, of the scriptures, that we can also see places where God gives the unbeliever joy. He does. But the joy that they have and the joy that we have, although both oftentimes come from God, is distinctly different. Or you can say it like this, that it has a distinctly different intended end. Let me give you an example of this in Acts chapter 14, 17. It's said of the unbeliever. It says, nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness. That although unbelievers are unbelievers, God has still witnessed himself to them. How so? In that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So in Acts chapter 14, it says that the unbeliever not only knows God, they, they know God by the joy he often gives them. So that on the day of judgment, they'll be without excuse. They'll, they'll never be able to say, I didn't know God. No, they knew God. Not only did they know God, they benefited from his goodness and had joy in it. They just never turned and gave him thanks. In what way? Well, the scripture says that uh, God caused the, the rain to fall. And he caused their, uh, heart, their, their crops to produce a harvest. And they ate and were glad. And the scripture says that this gladness that filled their hearts was actually from God. We, we see this again. Uh, there's multiple places. Just one other that I want to mention tonight is in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What promise? The promise of his return. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's patient toward us, not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So uh, I want you to think about it like this, that God is patiently waiting for unbelievers to come to him. He's patiently waiting for, uh, for those that have rejected God, that those that refuse to give him thanks those that refuse to submit their life to him, and yet nevertheless, the way that he, uh, if you will, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it anyways, the way that he woos us to himself, that's a weird word, isn't it? He wooed me. <laughs> the, the way that he draws us to himself is by being kind, by being patient. Now, it's one thing just to read that word patient and say, okay, uh, so, so Christ hasn't come back yet. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. But I, I really want you to think of the implications of what it means when God waits. Now, what's happening in life as God is waiting? 
Uh, well, if you're, if you're a student, you, you have the joy of experiencing your graduation. Or, or maybe winning a state championship with a football team or basketball team. As you get older, you have the experience of and the joy of getting married, all of which you could still be an unbeliever. And then you experience the joy of having kids. And then there are times where God miraculously uh, provides. Can anybody look back in their unbelieving life and identify? Maybe you, maybe you were blind to it at the time, but as you look back now, you're like, wow, that was God's provision. And in that moment, you had, you had joy, and you were joyful for, for the fact that you were able to pay your rent, or uh, maybe you survived a car accident, or maybe the judge said, hey, I don't know why, but I'm going to have mercy on you. And now you look back as a believer, and you go, I, want, I know why. The judge didn't know why. I know why. That was God. And even in that moment, even though you had rejected God, you still received, in, a, in some measure, the joy of the Lord. In the sense that uh, what caused you to rejoice was God's goodness towards you. But the intended end that God has in mind when he does good to the unbeliever is distinctly different than when he does good to the believer. When he does good to the unbeliever, he's, he's uh, drawing them to himself. In fact, you could say it like this, that God's goodness and even the joy that the unbeliever receives is actually meant to produce godly sorrow. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Godly sorrow, you know, like when you think about your life, and this is what happened to me, I remember seeing the goodness of God towards me as I read the Gospels and found out that God loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. And, I, and that broke my heart because I remember thinking that joy produced godly sorrow because I remember thinking to myself, why am I running from a God who's running after me? Why am I so horrible to a God who's so good to me? His goodness and the joy of his goodness actually broke my heart. Because it made me think he's so good to me and I'm so horrible to him. And thank God at the age of 18, I, I repented. And I said, God, I'm so sorry. You're so good and I'm so bad. The joy that God gives the world is meant to produce godly sorrow. That it would cause them to turn and repent. And can I just kind of slide in there and say, if you're an unbeliever today... Maybe you believe in the Lord, you acknowledge his goodness in your life, but you've never truly given your life to Jesus. And I would say to you, God has been patient with you, God has been good to you, and there have been so many moments of joy that God has produced in your life, and he's done that, that it would break your heart. That he would say, don't you see how good I am to you? So why are you running from me? Turn your life to me. But for the believer... God has a different end. When he does good for us, it's that we might rejoice that he's with us. Uh, I think about this verse personally. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and has found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so I think about God's goodness towards me that he's given me a wife. And, and that's meant to just produce joy that I'm reminded constantly. Look at God's favor. Look at God's goodness towards me. The scripture goes on to say, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. 
So now it's revealed in, in David's prayer that the foundation of our joy comes from a very logical, reasonable set of circumstances. The reason that I'm to rejoice is not just because David tells me to rejoice by the Holy Spirit, but the reason that I'm to rejoice is because God defends me. The reason that you're to rejoice is because God is your defender. So if you need a reason to rejoice tonight, you say, my life is falling apart. What, what am I to rejoice over? Because in what looks like your life is falling apart, it's not going to like you think it is. Because you have one in heaven, which by the way, if there was anyone to defend you, you'd want it to be the one in heaven, who's ruler over all, right? And the scripture says that this one, this mighty one, the, the scripture calls him the Lord of hosts. Host refers to, as, as you've been with us through the book of Revelation, you know that host refers to uh, myriads and myriads. That's a number that's beyond explanation. Thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions of angels. And so this holy one of Israel, who's surrounded with millions and millions of angels, is this is the one who defends us. So I just want to ask the question there, is it audacious or prideful to think that just because God has delivered me before, that God will deliver me again? Now, I know that might sound like a dumb question, but it's a real question. Because I, I find myself often going, God, I, I know that you defend me. I've, I've seen you defend me in the past. But is it prideful for me to just kind of assume? Is it audacious just to, just to kind of assume, well, he did it before, he's going to do it again? Is that pride? Or is that faith? Undoubtedly, that's not pride at all. It's faith. In fact, we're instructed in the scriptures to believe God because of what he's done in the past. You could say it like this, that God's past faithfulness is a down payment on his promise to his future faithfulness. God says, you know that, I can be, that I'm going to be faithful to you because I was faithful to you in the past. Let me show you that in scriptures. If you would, I, I just want to give you a second. Turn to Psalm chapter 78. And we're going to read a, a couple of verses here. So I'm just going to start off in, in verse 5. Psalm 78, 5. It says, for he established a testimony in Jacob. That's a, uh, that's a reference to his covenant with his people. His, his marriage covenant, if you will. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. 
For Israel, what were the works of God? Well, God had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt, delivered them out of the bondage of slavery, um, delivered them from the attack of Pharaoh and his army as they came up against the Red Sea, and God did the miracle of splitting the Red Sea. And then we know that for 40 years, God provided for them. So much so, the scripture says that their sandals, after walking for 40 years, their sandals never wore out. And if that wasn't enough, for for 40 years, every day, God would rain down bread from heaven. And he would feed the children of Israel. But if you skip down... To verse 17, it says, but they sinned even more against him by by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Now, I would like to think that after eating bread for 40 years, that there was nothing wrong with them desiring a different kind of meal. I, 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 I don't think that the problem was that they desired a different kind of meal. I think the problem was the issue of their heart when they asked for it. Because listen to what it says. It says, by asking for the food of their fancy, yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the the rock so that waters gushed out and streams overflowed. That was another means by which God had provided. They needed water in the middle of the wilderness, and so God caused water to gush out of a rock. And streams overflowed. And now they're asking, can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? After all they had seen, they began to question in their heart, uh, you know what, Uh, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if God is even capable of providing a feast for us in the wilderness. Therefore the Lord, the Lord heard and was furious, so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. One commentator says it like this. He says, the sense of the question is that, can the Lord do this for us? Can he give us a plentiful table in the wilderness as well as drop the manna about our tents? And if he can, why doesn't he? And if he does not, it must be either for want in himself, he's not able, or want of goodwill to us. Because if he's not able, then then he doesn't really want to do good to us. And thus tried and tempted the Lord. So here's the problem here is that they began to really question God's faithfulness to them. After all that God had done for them, now they find themselves between a rock and a hard spot and they start asking, man, I wonder, is the Lord even capable or does he really even care? Remember when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was sleeping and and they come to him and say, Lord, do you even care? How many of us... Uh, as we're facing hard times, begin to question the faithfulness of the Lord. Not so much if he's able to do it, but if he's willing to do it. 
I want to I say something that uh, might sound a little harsh, but it's, it's, it's harsh for the good, right? Sometimes these thoughts that we harbor, uh, they don't need to be coddled. They need to be crucified. Are you with me? <laughs> to, to question whether when you come uh, up uh, in a hard season in your life and to question whether God is still with you is an attack against the very name and nature of God, right? And, and that kind of thought process that sneaks into our mind, it needs, it, needs to be, it needs to be crucified. It needs to be killed. And how do we kill it? We kill it with the truth. So the devil would say, is God really with you or, or are you out here by yourself? Maybe, uh, maybe the last drop of mercy, because God's been good to you, there's no doubt. You, you can't deny that. But, but maybe you've tasted the last drop of his mercies. Maybe, maybe you've run out. Maybe God has just, maybe you've outdone his patience. Anybody ever had those thoughts? And so we respond with the truth of the word of God. So what does the truth say? Well, remember I said to you that to say and to question whether God is still really with you is to attack his very name and nature. How so? Well, remember Isaiah 7.14? In fact, some of you guys could say this with me. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we know that Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus is God with us. Which means that if you have Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, then you have God with you. So when I start to question, God, are you really with me? I'm beginning to question his very nature. Because the very nature of who he is in Christ is that he is with me. And all of his promises tell me that not only is he with me, but he'll be with me to the very end. And so I, I say, God, well, I know you had provided in the past, but I've never, I've never experienced the circumstances that I'm up against now. I know you provided then, but are you with me now? And, and God responds and says, my very name is Emmanuel, God with us. Don't, don't question my integrity. Don't, don't question my goodness. Don't question my, my faithfulness. I made a promise to you, and I didn't just... Uh, say you need to trust me, although that would have been enough because it's God's very word, is it not? But it was signed, sealed, and delivered in the blood of his own son, which means that if God were to turn his back on his word, he would render the blood of his own son useless, worthless. Are you with me? So we cringe when we hear that because we're like, nothing. <laughs> Those words shouldn't even come out of our mouth, never, never it be. But yet the truth is, is that when we question God's faithfulness, we're questioning the value of the blood of God's own son. Because when God told us he would be faithful, you could almost say it as this, as like he wrote it with the blood of his son. He sealed it in the blood of his son. God will be faithful. Jesus died and rose again. Proving that God is faithful. 
But also, he gives us the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee to us that God is faithful. Listen to what Hebrews 13.5 says. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. Now, that's an appropriate warning for every one of us, right? Because all of us have a tendency to have a love for money. And it's not just that we love stuff. But it's that in hard times, we, we find ourselves grasping for money, right? Sometimes more than we find ourselves grasping for prayer, in prayer. God, please provide. God, please provide. Instead of prayer, we find ourselves uh, racking our brains or trying to get more hours at work. I'm not saying the scripture does say if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, but there's also a sense in which uh, we can be looking at money as our ultimate provision. So it says, keep your life free from the love of money. And then it goes on to say, and be content. So with whatever you have, be content. But here's what I love the most. Now it tells us why. It says, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Why should I be content with what I have? And the the scripture's response to us is, be content with what you have because God himself has promised you that he'll never leave you. So all that you have is Jesus and all that you need you have because he's with you. His name is Emmanuel. I'm going to say it again and again. And his name means God is with us, which means if you have Jesus, you have God. And if you have God, you have his promise that he's with you now and forever. So you have no need of money. That's what the scriptures are telling us. You have no need of, oftentimes, I need a revelation of my future. God, I just need to know, give me, give me something to hope for for tomorrow. Show me where my life is headed. Anybody like that? You just need to, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll believe. I just need, just give me a, a small glimpse. I don't even need to see all the details. Just give me a silhouette, right? And, and then I'll believe you for that, and we'll go through the trials together. And sometimes I've noticed, especially if I can be transparent with you in this season of my life, I feel like God doesn't tell me anything about the future. There were other seasons of my life where I went through hell, but I had a small glimpse, and the Lord was just like, hold on. And I'm like, cool, right? And I still doubted and feared and pouted then too. I'm not going to lie, right? But in this season, it's almost like the Lord just says, just, you got me. And you got the history of my faithfulness in your life. Yeah, yeah, but God, I just need, just like give me a dream, just give me a vision, just, uh, just put it on a friend's heart to pick up the phone and just prophesy to me, right? <laughs> I heard uh, we're going to start having some afterglows on, on, uh, on Thursday nights. It's like, hey, if I show up to afterglows, just put it on someone's heart to go crazy in the Holy Spirit and just, ah, here's what the Lord says. And God does that sometimes, Right? He does. Yeah, even in Calvary Chapel, right? (laughs) We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Come on. 
God will do that. But sometimes God says, hey, listen, I've shown you, I've given, first and foremost, I've given you my word. I've told you. I've promised you I'm with you. I've given you my son who is the guarantee of my promise. If you're in Christ, you're in me. I'll never leave you. But not only that, I've given you the history of my faithfulness. If you've been walking with Christ for any time now, you've seen God do the miraculous. People say, well, how do you know? And, and you've experienced things in your life and you're just like, I, I, just, I just know. And that doesn't mean you don't have moments of doubt or you don't struggle. But when you look back, you know that that was the Lord. And so the Lord says to us, you don't need to know your future. You just look behind you and see my past faithfulness. And my past faithfulness is a deposit to your future. And to not believe that. Or to just think, well, maybe I'm just being audacious and thinking that what he did in the past, he'll, he'll do it again. No, you're not being audacious. You're doing exactly what he intended when he, when he was faithful. God was, you know, I'm, I don't want to put words in God's mouth, but the principle I see within the scriptures is that is as if God was saying in himself, um, you're going to go through some things. And so I'm going to... St- I'm going to give you a measure of faith so that when you go through what I'm, about, what I'm about to take you through, I'm going to strengthen you to believe. And, and, and the way that I'm going to give you this measure of faith, one of the ways that I'm going to do it is I'm, I'm going to begin to unravel the revelation of my faithfulness. And so you, you, you and I have all been there. There were, there were times that we needed provision and God miraculously provided There were times we needed a word of encouragement and God miraculously sent somebody to say the very words that were confirmation to our spirit. You've you've been there when uh, you you felt like you weren't going to make it through. Maybe it was a physical illness and somebody laid hands and prayed for you and you saw God miraculously heal. And God says, I'm doing this. Because I'm, I'm, I'm unfolding the revelation of my faithfulness in your life because you're going to go through a season where you're going to be tempted to question if I'm still with you. But you and I now have walked through these seasons together and I've shown you who I am. And I've done that so when you go through this season and you begin to question where is God, I want you to look back and I want you to remember who I am. Because remember, the scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I haven't answered the question already and I'm closing here, well, why should I rejoice? It, it, I, 2022 has not started off the way that I thought it was going to happen, Right? And the reason that you and I should rejoice is because God is with us, and the scripture closes here by saying, let those who love your name, anybody love his name tonight? Let those who love your name be joyful in you, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you'll surround him as with a shield. I don't know why this is a really dumb picture, but uh, anybody remember when you were a kid and you went to McDonald's and you jumped in those nasty balls, the, the, the ones that, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the ones that they cleaned like every, every other week, right? 
Imagine yourself just submerged in, 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 those, in those plastic balls, right, different colors. And every one of them, as you, as you, as you look around, every, every ball that you pick up is a testimony of God's faithfulness in your life. He, he surrounds us with his favor as with a shield. So you might feel like you've got no reason to rejoice, and, I, and I'm telling you, no, you have, you have thousands upon thousands of reasons to rejoice. And they really can all be summed up in this, in this one truth. God is, he's with you. He's with you. Pastor Derek's uh, very first message on, on the Sunday of the first Sunday of 2022, 20, uh, I remember, uh, I don't know why these words just stuck out to me. He, he said, uh, we know that this is going to be a good year. And the reason that we know that this is going to be a good year is because God is in control. Right? And many of us have already experienced major hardships. But in that, we just keep coming back to this truth. God's in control. God's in control. And he, he's not just in control. He's, he's good. And he's merciful. And he's faithful. And every trial he allows his children to go through has a purpose. And ultimately, that purpose is he's unfolding more of his faithfulness. You may not see it now, but remember what he's done in the past. You're going to see it again. That's my word for you tonight. And so with that in mind, I want to tell you the hard truth and give you a hard command. And that command is rejoice. Be joyful in him. And the good news is, is that it's hard because you can't do it. And that's great news because it means he can do for you what you can't do. So ask the Holy Spirit for joy. Allow God to remind you of his past faithfulness. And trust that he's going to do it again. Amen? Amen. Here's what I want to do with the last couple minutes we have left is I want to invite the the worship team up. And uh, I just want us to pray. I also uh, would like to invite up. The, uh, the pastors and elders, and I just want to just, just make a, a few minutes. It doesn't have to be long, but just a, a few minutes for prayer. And, um, and this is the prayer, is uh, regardless of where you're at in your walk with the Lord, regardless of whether 2022 has started off to be a great year for you or, or not so much, but if you say, God, I, um, I've got joy, I, I want more joy, my encouragement to you tonight is to pray for it. And so I would invite you to, to just begin as, as, as we sing a song of worship, just make your way down here and get, get prayer with the pastor and the elders. Maybe you're at a place where you're like, I, I don't have joy at all. In fact, I don't even know what that really means. I love the Lord. And when I read verses like what you read tonight and that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, I, I start to wonder, am I even a Christian? Because I don't, I don't have that. I want to encourage you tonight. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means you need to wait upon the Lord. But in your waiting, you need to pray. And so I would invite you as well to come down tonight and receive prayer. And lastly, I would say if you're a, a, not a believer, meaning that you've never fully given your life to Christ and you can, uh, you've experienced moments of, of God's goodness in your life, but you don't know what it's like to drink from that underground river. That joy that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I would invite you also, make your way down here. 
come get prayer. Let us pray with you. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for us tonight because I'm just going to open it up for prayer. So let the worship team sing, and as they do so, feel free to make your way down here.